Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 17th chapter of Acts, beginning in verse 16 and going through verse 34. I'd invite you to open your Bibles and read along with me. This passage is found on page 129 of your pew Bibles. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. This is the word of the Lord. A little background to our text this morning. Paul has been traveling about the surrounding areas since we saw him last week. And he's been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And things have not been going well. Paul fled Thessalonica and Berea, where people were driving him out of town for preaching the gospel. So he goes to Athens to presumably lay low and be quiet. But we know this is not a possibility for Paul. In this passage, Paul provides for us an example of how to approach people in other places and cultures 
with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this morning I will highlight several things that we can take away from this passage as a model for our own situation of approaching people with the message of the gospel. Our passage this morning begins with verse 16, where Paul was greatly distressed to see the city of Athens full of idols. He's in an unknown place, a strange city where he doesn't know people. So Paul starts off with what he does know. He goes to the synagogue and reasons with the people there. He goes to the place that will connect him with his synagogue worship, his base, his roots. So from this, I would recommend that we start with the places that we do know and move out from there. While in the synagogue, the philosophers begin to debate with him, as was custom in the city and the culture. Athens was a college town with many famous philosophers and debaters. Open dialogue of the latest ideas was common practice in the city, and many famous philosophers lived there, such as Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. So Paul is engaging in their traditions and their customs. As they debate him, they invite him to the Areopagus. They bring him to a meeting of the people, but it is them that are bringing him there. They have invited Paul to join them. I recommend that we allow people to invite us into their places and not try and force our way in. See, Paul has spent time observing them, being in their space, speaking with them, getting to know their customs first. He's also invited by them to come, and they ask him to speak. This is typical attitude for evangelists. Often they come alongside people where they are, on the other person's turf, get to know them through listening and observation, then engage them in friendly dialogue, usually in relation to something the other person is doing, appealing to them where they are. Paul begins by appealing to their religious nature. This is the very thing that troubled him in the opening of our passage, all the idols around town. But Paul is appealing to them on this issue, using kind words, seeing things in their life that he can encourage them in. How often do we wait for people to come to us? Do we want people to learn our language and phrases? Or even worse, we condemn their lifestyle and behavior. Paul communicates God as creator to them, which would be a common concept they would understand, but distinguishes the realities of God as different from their own customs. In a place like Athens, different ideas were very common, but this is still a bold move because it goes against their religious customs. For example, Paul points out that God does not live in temples built by human hands, which would be clearly contrary to the Athenians' belief. While Paul is accommodating and getting to know the people in this context of their space and communicating to people in the midst of where they are, he does not soften or water down the message of the gospel and the repentance God calls people to, and the judgment that God will bring. Now this is a fine balance of first love, then truth. However, notice that Paul is not condemning or judging them, but merely giving the message that God has sent him to share. He presents the fullness of the message of the gospel, but leaves the job of conviction to the Holy Spirit. It is difficult not to point out what others do wrong. We want to highlight that 
to fix it. But oftentimes, encouragement and love bring more change than correction and condemnation. Will Willem, a well-known Christian author, writes of this passage, saying, The church, rather than standing back from pagan religiosity, pointing our fingers in righteous indignation, should, like Paul in Athens, minister to their searching. There is a reality of searching that we find in all people apart from God. We are not at home apart from God. And Paul appeals to people's deep need and desire to know God. St. Augustine wrote, referring to God, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We all have a longing for God, a thirst when we do not know him and abide in him. And notice how Paul sees this and speaks to this. What God seeks through Jesus Christ and his spirit is to reunite us with him, to meet that need, that thirst in us. Paul appeals to this need in other people. And finally, we see the various reactions to the message of the gospel. In his commentary on Acts, Gerhard Krodel says, There comes a point when the Christian witness must speak of Christ's resurrection and its consequences and take the risk of being switched off by the partner in dialogue. We see in our passage this morning that many laughed while others suspected Paul might be right and asked more questions. We cannot control how people react to the gospel, nor are we called to. God calls us to love him, to love others, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I would also like to highlight that Paul is not threatened or defensive in this different culture. He is surrounded by a community and culture that believe and actively worship different gods. But Paul does not go on a crusade to prove them wrong or defend God. Paul's identity is found in God's love for him. Paul does not need to prove others wrong to prove himself right. Nor does Paul need to defend God to make him God. God does not need our defense. God is sovereign. He cannot be dethroned. Instead, out of a love for the people, Paul gets to know them. He appeals to their religious nature, their specific unknown God idol, and even uses their own literary writers to convey the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul conveys a message of invitation out of love, not of defensiveness or condemnation. His identity as a beloved child of God who is sovereign and needs no defense allows Paul to lovingly come alongside and share with patience, grace, and love. In summary, Paul gives us an example of how to love people from another culture and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. I will offer a few points that we can take away. First, we may know God as sovereign, as our loving Father who loves us and seeks the lost, and in this find the security to be amongst those that disagree with us in peace and in love. Second, Paul goes out to the people. He meets them in their surroundings, their offices, 
their sports games, their classrooms. He encounters them on their turf. Paul does not wait around expecting the people to come to him. He goes out and meets them where they are. Third, Paul takes note of where they are. He pays attention, he watches, and he listens. He learns their surroundings. How often do we rush in with our message and critique how others are doing things wrong? The passage begins with Paul being concerned by the idols in town. But he starts by encouraging them of how religious they are. He gets to know his audience and speaks to them where they are. Encouraging what they do well and using familiar references and language. And fourth, Paul appeals to their longing and need for God. People are lost without God in need of love, companionship, forgiveness, grace, and guidance. And Paul appeals to this need they have. And finally, Paul accepts the different reactions to the gospel. We cannot control how others react, nor should we try. We are called to love and share and merely let God do the rest. See, Paul is an evangelist. He's an evangelist through and through. And in this passage, we get a great example of loving people where they are and still sharing the full message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now I would suggest that we get to ask where God has us in people's lives or where he is calling us to go love people where they are and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.